Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to those of you listening online. My name is Ron Cross. I'm the senior pastor here at St. Saviour's. And that may be the last time that I say that this morning. And to let you into a little secret, I don't actually think anyone is listening online. I just think it's quite cool to say that. <laughs> so, don't you just love it? If you're, if you're new to Christianity, if you've never experienced what it's like to be uh, in church, or you've never read the Bible um, you maybe will have grown up with stories, you've heard it in the background, the stories of Jesus. And I mean, I just love reading the stories of Jesus about what Jesus did, who he was, what he came to do. And, you know, it's just like first base Jesus, second base Jesus, third base Jesus, fourth base Jesus. He's everywhere. He's everywhere at work. He's defeating evil at every turn. Like some kind of like modern day superhero, like, like Pingu with power, right? And, you know, it's great, isn't it? Because, well, we can just sit back and relax and, and take it easy, all, all cozy and comfortable, because we know that Jesus, well, he's out there in front, he's in the driving seat. You know, he's leading from the front, he's doing it all, he will do it all, he's going to see it all to completion. Maybe you see yourself like this. Maybe you see yourself as someone who can just, you know, sit back, relax, Mm. maybe you see yourself like that maybe you're one of those people maybe you're one of these people maybe you're someone who stands on the sidelines get your coat on shouting you can do it, come on come on Jesus, you can do it go for it perhaps you're one of those kinds of people Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God will call you to be one of these kinds of people. You grab a jersey, you stick the jersey on, and you get involved in the game. I've always wanted to do this. That's it, he does it like this. That's the Ronaldo stance, basically. Maybe you're one of those three people here this morning. And you know, the wonderful thing is, is because of this book, we know how the story is going to finish. We know how it's all going to end, right? Love wins. I thought I'd get a cheer at that point. Love wins. That's it. End of. End of your life. End of your situation. End of your struggle. End of time. Love. Love wins. Love wins. We are afforded this peek into the future by this book. If you don't have a Bible with you today, if you don't have one at home, please stop me before you go today and I will let you have a Bible. It is the greatest book ever written. It will be the greatest book you ever read. The greatest book you will ever own. Let's open ours now. We're going to have a look at a few passages from Matthew And we're in Matthew 9. So if you'd like a Bible, I'm sure some of the welcome team will come along. Hey, Nisha, fancy that? I got it right on the final one. We changed the name from the hosting team to the welcome team. I finally got it right. Yeah, your work here is done. 
Uh, please open up your Bibles. Perhaps you've got them on your phones. It's fine. 9.36. We're going to see what treasure there is contained within these pages uh, this morning. So Matthew 9.36. You'll find that about four-fifths of the way through your Bible. It's in the part we call the New Testament. It's written about the life of Jesus, his birth, his death, his life, his resurrection. actually, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Up until this point, if you read the previous sort of eight to nine chapters, you'll know that Jesus has been at work healing every kind of sickness, raising people from the dead, delivering people of their demons. He's providing miracle after miracle. You've got the feeding of the 5,000, which we'll all know about. Then just about to come is the feeding of 4,000, one of his lesser known miracles that doesn't seem to make it into today's headlines. You know, he has been everywhere. He's just been Jesus bringing the kingdom of God to hand. And in this passage, he turns to his disciples and he says, you take the steering wheel. You put the jersey on. You go. You do it. He calls his disciples by name. Joan and Ian, Becky, and Philip, and Chris, and Julie, and Jenny, and Ash, and Sonia, and Diane, and Veronica, and Angela, and Joya, and Jonathan. Calls them all by name. And he says, there is even more work to be done. Even more. Even though he's been at work for a couple of years, he's touched countless lives directly. He's challenged the justice, or rather the injustice systems of the day. He's turned over the religious elite. He's radically countercultural in his approach to women, to the lost, to the outcast. He's preaching good news to the poor. He is eating with sinners. He's announcing that with him, with Jesus, is the coming of the kingdom. The way things were supposed to be. The way things, things will be when he comes again. Here he is, Jesus, God. And he says, there's even more work to be done. Sometimes, sometimes though, the, the passages in Scripture, they can be a little bit confusing. And I'm, I'm like, 
could you just, just bring a bit of clarity? Sometimes you read a passage, I don't know about you, if you grapple with the scriptures, and you just don't understand what he's saying. And this maybe is one of those passages, you know, what, what is he talking about? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The what is plentiful? But who is few? Can anyone work that out? Yeah, see a few people nodding. Perhaps this particular passage isn't that difficult to understand. And part of the problem, you see, with the church is that we don't have compassion like Jesus. We don't care like Jesus. We're too empty of power. We're too respectable sometimes. We're too similar to those who don't know Jesus. We're too embarrassed to approach them. We're too terrified of what they might think of us. We're too insulated to share the good news. We're too bothered about the level of sound in the building or whether we've got good coffee or whether we've got disposable cups. You know, we're not though, are we? The wonderful thing is that ain't what St. Saviour's is about, right? St. Saviour's is none of those things. None of those things. Here at St. Saviour's, you're feeding thousands of people on the poverty line every year. You're sitting and eating with those who are downtrodden, the outcasts of our society. You're breaking the chains of compulsion and addiction. You're housing the homeless. You're freeing people from thousands of pounds worth of debt. You're providing a way for kids who wouldn't get a present to get a present at Christmas. You're teaching our children and young people the wonder of faith. You're ministering to the women who are in chains in Bronzefield. You're singing and witnessing and providing clubs for the kids on the estate. You're praying and seeing people healed of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. You're teaching us about prayer and justice, leadership. You're watching people come home to the Father week after week after week. Somebody on Thursday returned home to the Father. I knew you'd clap. Thanks, Willow. And yet there is still need. As Kirsty put it, and you're short with that, you're like, whoa, that's harsh. But people are still perishing. Um, I mean, I, you know, I do happen to go out onto the streets sometimes. And I look around, I was in Tesco's with my prayer triplet, Monday just gone. And I looked around at about 50, 80 people who were around me. I have no idea where they are with the Lord. I have absolutely no idea. I know that there's a couple of hundred people in this building, and that's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for his fruit. But there are thousands of people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are still lost and hurting and hopeless. And so we can ask Jesus and say, well, what do you want us to do about it, Jesus? And what does he say? He says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. So we're going to do just that for a minute. You can close your eyes if you like. And I want your prayer to be, Lord, who do you want to send out into the harvest field?
Lord, who do you want to send out to the harvest field? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it you? <clears throat> so he calls his disciples to himself. And if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus this morning, if you don't, please let me introduce you to him. If you know Jesus, then you'll know that he's called you to himself. He's called you by your name. It says, Mim, you're my daughter whom I love. You'll know that he's called you by your name and that in calling you by your name, Helen, that he's also sending you. <coughs> Isaiah 6, 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Well, they're a right old mixed bunch, aren't they, those disciples? We've got some hot-headed sons of thunder, they were called. We've got a petulant Peter who would cut off the ear of a transgressor. We've got John who probably sat back and relaxed and contemplated about life. Matthew who was cool and calculating. This whole great big mix, hodgepodge of personalities and gifts and talents and backgrounds and experience. And he calls them all together and he says, come and play. Stick on a jersey, boys. Get on the pitch. And here you are today. He's called you by name, whether you knew that before this moment. But at this very moment, Jesus is relentlessly pursuing, passionately pursuing a relationship with you. And he wants to call you by name. And the disciples must have gone, what? What? You want us? You want us to do it? We're quite happy sitting here watching you do it, but you want us to do it? I mean, they must have been pretty nervous, right? They must have been thinking, what, who, who, me? If not you, then who? But who did Joy at Kempton? If you were around for Joy at Kempton, who did that? You guys. You did it. Who fed 5,000 people over the weekend? You guys. You did that. Who is sitting and feeding hundreds of people every week? You guys. Who are helping people out of homelessness and addiction and compulsion? It's you guys. You're doing it. Who is it who welcomes every single soul that comes through that door? It's you guys. Who's going to be there in the schools and the offices and the playgrounds, the supermarkets, the businesses? Who's going to be there, Willow? You are, right? Yeah, because Jesus has called you by your name and he's sending you there as well. I just kind of do it like this. Too. And with that comes all the authority that you need. All of the authority that you need. We've got a couple of police officers in the room, I know. But if I went out into the street and I just stood it in front of the traffic, 
with this on, I'd probably get a few honks, but anyway. <laughs> and I tried to stop the traffic. Probably some people would, yeah, honk at me. Some people would drive around me. One or two of you that I've upset might drive straight for me. <laughs> but if I put on a policeman's outfit and I put my hand out in the middle of the street, what would happen? Stop. They'd stop because of the authority that comes with the clothing, with what they've been given as their uniform. And Jesus says, I give you authority. Jesus gives you that same authority that he had, that he exercised. It's you. If you're you, then who? And the, the motivation for me and for us has to come with the fact that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. To see the need of those who are perishing outside of the kingdom of God, harassed by the pressures of the world, exhausted by the pace of life, going nowhere, in a dead end, empty, alone, trapped in compulsive, addictive behaviors, being led astray by false teaching, ideologies, faithless, hopeless, despairing. That's motivation, right? And if that's not enough, then just look to the words of Jesus. Freely, freely you have received. Freely give. If, if you have received freely, then freely you give. At the end of his commissioning, at the end of his calling his disciples to himself and sending them back out again, telling them to preach the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand, has come close, is available now in the present and in the time to come. He gives them the authority and says, if you have received freely, freely you give. And with Jesus comes this wonderful truth and grace. Truth is that we will never, ever measure up we can never, ever be good enough. That's the truth. The truth is that we all make mistakes. We all fail. We all fall. We are all tempted. That's the truth. But the grace is we do measure up because of Jesus. The grace is that because of him, you are counted good enough. The grace is that because of him, all of your sin, all of your failing, all of your mistakes, all of your chaos is forgiven. <laughs> he reminds them that they have received his grace. That they have received his grace and they are to freely give his grace. That they are in fact blessed to be a blessing to others. To honor one another to encourage one another, to be hospitable to one another, to hold one another, to have compassion with one another, to pray for one another, to lift one another, to be kind to one another, to love one another. I am so thankful, so, so thankful that Jesus came and found me. So thankful. And I'm so thankful. But it is time for me to go to another place. 
and another time as Jesus sends us, as he commissions us, as he gives us his authority to go to another place where they are like sheep without a shepherd, where they are harassed. Jesus has given myself and my beautiful wife the grace to be your shepherds for such a time as this. And for that privilege, we will be eternally grateful. And your new shepherd, your new shepherd is being called right now. Jesus is saying to them, go. Go to the people of Sunbury and the surrounding towns. Because the harvest is plentiful. Go and join with them in all of the kingdom work that they are doing there. There is great need. The harvest is plentiful. And as for us, I can feel people praying for me, thank you. As for us, we will see you in Malibu. in heaven whichever comes soonest let's pray together I have to give one last call to those in the room who do not yet know the saving grace of Jesus Christ our job here is to make disciples followers learners, students of Jesus. But first of all, you have to convert. You have to acknowledge your need for a saviour. You have to acknowledge your need for forgiveness. You have to acknowledge your need that it is time to get right with God. Now is the time this moment and it's very simple for us in this kind of church we say a very simple prayer if you say it with me I'd love you just to put your hand up to acknowledge that I can invite you to close your eyes so this is a very personal and intimate moment with the creator of the universe the one who loves you, the one who gave his life for you, to come to seek you, to rescue you, to bring you back home, to scoop you up, to tell you that he is with you and will be with you till the end of the age. So dear Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that on the cross, my sin is forgiven. I thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I receive your Holy Spirit to guide me, to correct me, to teach me all of your ways that I may walk in the footsteps of your Son, my Saviour, 
my King forever. Amen. <laughs> yeah, should we do that one more time? Okay, there's no kids in the room, but hey, you're all kids, right? If you don't know, there's a little drill that we have here when we do Amen. It starts down here, you go, Amen. Final blessing as we stand, it's from the letter of Jude. You have been called by God the Father and are kept safe in Jesus Christ. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you, remain with you, this day and into eternity. Amen. 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 Sorry, to, uh, sorry to stop you there, boss. Um, Ron and, well, Ron's right there. Ro, where are you? Where are you? Come up, my love. <laughs> it's not quite finished yet. They... They like to think they can slip away, but they can't. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, as you all know, this is Ron and Ro's last Sunday with us. And um, Ron and Ro, just want you to look out. This is what you've built. This is what you've helped create. This is what you've been a part of. These people have been on your journey. You've been on their journey. And we just want to say for the last time, we honor you, we love you, and um, we're going to miss you, and we send you with all our blessings, and we look forward to hearing what God's doing in your life. But before all that, have a look at the screens. <laughs> I can't believe that my final moment is going to be either a picture of you thinking that I was a nurse or in a Brazil shirt. <laughs> but them's the breaks. See ya. <laughs>